0: Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740.
1: Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin.
2: And uh, good morning. This is your uh, co-host to the show, undergardener, or sous chef, should I say, Frank Proctor accompanying Charlie through this a little bit chilly Saturday morning. Windy. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be very windy today, apparently. It already is. 80 uh, kilometer an hour winds uh, at times, so no day to be carrying a sheet of plywood across (laughs) town. No. Or or
3: an umbrella. (laughs) Yeah.
2: And if you want to keep your hat, staple it. Um, Oh, phone numbers. Can I just do this El quicko and for make sure For sure.
3: I mean, you're you're the co-host. I of, am the
2: co-host. wants it.
3: to control the show. That's, that's so. exactly, <laughs> right?
2: For For Toronto, four one, <laughs> <you devil. laughs> 416-360-0740, okay? That's Toronto. Then anywhere else in the province, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Now, Charlie, mm. I have to tell you that People have been saying, "Frank, you're not doing enough research for the Garden Show." That's true. You like to claim that you're, you know, co-host, mm-hmm. and yet you—they he- hear nothing uh, that I uh, uh, actually do research. <laughs> but I have done some research here today to, you know, lay claim to at least part to support of this. In- the Charlie in- Dobbin enterprise. Show. Yes. yes. So right off the top, here's a little gardening rule for everybody to remember. Okay. okay. Gardening rule: When weeding. The best way to make sure you are removing a weed and not a valuable plant is to pull on it. If it comes out of the ground easily, it is a valuable plant.
3: <laughs> that is a rule, actually. You see? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is. That's true. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Well, see? <sighs> well, there you go. I'm glad you've done some research. Well, thank you. <clears throat> now I feel better. When was the last time you did any weeding?
2: Um, hmm, hmm. Uh, I think when I took those two tomato plants <laughs> on the bus and that you gave me and I left them on the, that on the bus. That was a couple result. of years ago. Yeah, I know. I still feel badly about that. But, but yeah. you know,
3: that, in a way, that could be kind of a cool thing. Uh, for anybody who doesn't remember, I grew and gave <laughs> Frank two sweet little tomato plants yes. to take home to grow on his balcony yep. and he forgot them on a bus or streetcar or something but you know what there's it, maybe that wasn't a bad it thing it
2: was a pay forwards.
3: thing. that's right it's kind of like yeah. guerrilla gardening it's it's like putting it out there and somebody probably picked them up and took them home and planted them well i hope so cuz people do that with books eh? you leave a book yeah, yeah. and somebody picks it up and and it's all, you can track books all over the world they, they you know it's kind of i forget GPS. what it's called no 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 no, <laughs> no. It, it's actually Entered. Like yeah, I yeah. found the book in Bloor subway station,
2: and then they'll leave and it somewhere read else. it,
3: and I left it on a bench at you know such and such, oh, and then somebody picks it up, and the the book can be tracked. You know, people follow these things. It's neat. Hey, it's a neat way go. to get stuff I'm out to find there. Out more about that. That sounds interesting. Yeah, and so maybe it wasn't that bad when you left that tomato plant. Well, I you. probably shouldn't harass you the way I do. Oh, yeah, two years, and I'm still getting it. I know, but mm. you deserve it. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, <laughs> I had some homework.
2: Oh, hi to David Gaskin, our producer.
3: Cruise. Morning, Dave. <clears throat> yeah. Putting up with us. I
2: know.
3: Mm. I had some homework.
2: Ah, so uh-huh. remember.
3: Yes. Uh, We had a call last week regarding overwintering water lilies. I remember. You do. Mm -hmm. I'm sure. You took notes, right? So, and I'm assuming that this was a hardy water lily. Okay. I'm going to assume that. It was uh, Jude from Cambridge who called and wasn't sure because her pond freezes to the bottom, so she didn't want to leave it outside. Okay. Here's the answer. If your lilies are growing in pots... Yeah. Then you have two choices. One is after you trim back all the foliage, because of course as the weather cools down all the green leaves will start to shrivel up. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> trim it all down. Then you either drop the pot back into the deepest part of the pond to overwinter. But that's assuming the pond doesn't freeze solid. You know, Shallow mm-hmm. ponds do freeze solid. So in that case you take the pot, lily and all, into the cool dark basement. You keep that lily rhizome damp all winter. So leave it in the pot for that purpose. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, it's the cold part. You need to keep, if you have like a root storage, cold storage room, perfect. You don't want it to freeze, but you do want to keep it cold because that will keep it dormant. A beer fridge that doesn't have beer in it can work very well. <laughs>
2: I'm crying. Oh, i
3: <laughs> In the winter, sometimes oh, uh, we don't keep our yeah. beer fridges quite as full. So you can stick the water lily in the beer fridge uh, if you don't have a cold storage room. And then, of course, in the spring, when the ice is off the pond and the water starts to warm up, you'll know the water's warm enough. If you put your hand in it and you don't scream in agony, <laughs> then the water's warm enough. You can drop the, the lily back into the pond and it'll all start to grow again. So it's it's that simple. Well... Good. Um, Okay, yeah. I'm glad you uh, did your homework. Thank you very much. Uh, Yes, all right. Thank you. So, uh, just... I didn't have a lot of announcements. Uh, a reminder that I will be doing a presentation this Monday evening, the Big Freeze, in Oshawa for the Oshawa Garden Club, and they meet at 7.30 p.m. at the St. George's Ukrainian Heritage Center. So that should be fun. And remember as well, our well, the Hamilton Pumpkin Fest is going on every weekend right through to the end of October uh, at RBG, mm-hmm. at the Royal Botanical Gardens, the Arboretum. Um, pretty fun if the weather is... Great, like it was last weekend. Right, was yeah. that great oh, weather? Unbelievable. Got a lot of gardening done last weekend. I'll tell you, it was so perfect. Did,
2: they, did the boys do all the laying down the sod did, and what have you? Well, soil. That's the right. Soil, I yeah.
3: had the, I had the young men. Um, yes, working away. I had two young men. And then one dropped off, and then I had only one young man.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like you're a pretty tough taskmaster.
3: (laughs) It was my son who dropped off. Oh, is that right? (laughs) (laughs) But but, uh, we did get a lot done, which was great. It was was very effective and always nice to have. You know, it was kind of Mm rent-a-son kind of weekend, I think. So, But uh, if you want to get out to the Pumpkin Fest at the RBG, kids' activities, fun zone, pony rides, hay, hay wagon rides, farmer's market, all kinds of haunted maze neat stuff going on yes did you
2: catch that item and this is well in regard to mazes mm. there's a, a down in the states There, there's like an 8 acre uh, corn maze and a family got lost in oh, there oh no I
3: didn't see it yeah
2: that. and they had to use a cell phone you know call for help because they, they were just getting panicked yeah and they, they it turns out they were 8 meters away from being <laughs> Uh, on the outside but,
3: but you don't big, know but tall corn. Yeah, yeah you don't yeah. know well, uh, be and you start scary. blasting through the corn well, yeah. and you don't know what direction going you're going in, in.
2: circles and uh, uh, that's th-
3: what mazes do hey.
2: okay,
3: dead ends hey, that,
2: yeah, that'd be a good thing to know about anybody know a real good maze
3: yeah that mazes are fun to, this is, yeah, be, this this is the time uh, of year whether it's corn or Halloween. you know hay bales yeah. and all kinds of neat stuff
2: let me do the phone numbers again Charlie okay, okay. and uh, well, I'll give a little mantra as well in Toronto 416-360 0740 and then anywhere else in the province, it's toll free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. And hey, we've got a few lines open here already. Well, okay, we'll get those filled up. Dave Gaskin will be out there with his bullwhip, even even rounding up people on Queen Street. But get in here and make a <laughs> phone call. Uh, Nine twelve, the time at AM seven forty. Charlie Dobbin at the Garden Show returns momentarily
1: friends say she's down to earth and that's usually where you'll find her welcome back to the am 740 garden show with charlie dobbin
2: and frank proctor alongside for the ride here and lots of fun i enjoy starting my saturdays with charlie here in the studio because it's always a guaranteed giggle really although we do learn a lot and i say we inclusive of the listeners like june in bolton whom i hope will verify my words there (laughs) hello june welcome to the show
4: Yes, good morning. Morning. I'll just be a sec, turn my radio down.
2: Okay. Okay. I'll tap dance in the meantime. Da, 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 yeah, you were da. dancing vamp, earlier. Tap till ready. Yeah, yeah, I always do a little tap dance. There's Dave Reddiger coming in. To, yeah, he's uh, tap dancing, do, too, I oh, see. Yes. Jeez. Man. Oh, my Lord. Dancing Look at with he really the stars. Is. They're Reddiger. everywhere. <laughs> dancing and, and jiggling, too, might I say. <laughs> Don't want too close. <laughs> okay. Hi, June.
4: Good morning. There you are.
2: Okay. Uh,
4: uh, good. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, My inquiry is about, uh, I have a PG hydrangea,
3: Mm -hmm.
4: and uh, I'm wondering if I should be pruning it back this fall or leaving it until spring.
3: Are there flowers on it right now? Yes, there are. That's why I like to leave it alone for the winter, because those flowers will stay on the bush all winter. And of course, they'll get a little wind-blown and tattered, but they're still pretty. They go from white to pink in the cool, and then they'll turn that bronzy, crispy uh, sort of look for the winter. And I like to leave all my hydrangea flowers on all winter, yeah, unless they're interfering with a walkway or something. So leave them alone, and then do a proper trim in the early spring, just when the green shoots are starting. You know, the little green buds are starting to show.
4: And how how much? Uh you prune
3: off. Well, it's I. When it comes to PG hydrangeas, it depends how much you want to prune it. You can reduce the size of the plant by as much as a third at a time. So, if it's really getting big and overgrown, don't hesitate to you know really go to town and and take it right down to a size that's manageable. At least, no matter what. Always look for any dead wood in the spring, any crisscrossing branches that might be rubbing against each other, damaging the, the, the stems. And, and the other thing is shape. Look for where the next growth is going to come from so that when it starts to flower at the end of the summer, it's got flowers everywhere. You want that kind of nice balanced shape to the shrub.
4: Oh, great. Okay. Well, thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank
5: really you, June. Oh,
2: thank you. Thanks. And June bye. from Bolton, here with us at AM 740, Zoomer Radio, Charlie Dobbin, on the air. did I didn't say do it again? Yeah, that, Charlie Dobbin. I don't know what, what gets Durbin. in there. Darbin. yeah. You
3: used to call me Charlie Dobbin. <laughs> <laughs> like, like in the, the shoe rubbing cleaner, yeah, 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 exactly. And, Boot anyway. preservative.
2: Well, pardon Thanks my for that. frayed lips here this morning. <laughs> uh, Jack in Welland, good morning, and uh, welcome to the show. Good
5: morning. Morning. Uh, I'd like to know, Charlie, what do I do to winter over
2: um,
5: a snowball bush?
3: Mm. Uh, the snowball you're referring to, is it a hydrangea similar to our last color, to June? Uh,
5: you know, it's just a young one. I just got it this year. This is the first year for it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, I, it, it,
2: the tag on it just said snowball.
3: Not, it didn't say anything else?
2: No, nothing else, no.
3: Because so, <laughs> it's, it's
2: from the farmer's market. Oh, yeah,
3: okay. Are there um, snowball-shaped flowers on it now?
5: What well, no, there isn't. Okay. There were, when I picked it up, there mm-hmm. were uh, two of them. Mm-hmm. they very small, but they were almost, they were dying off.
3: Okay, and that was back in June.
5: Oh, that was back, right. Okay.
3: So probably what you've got, the the plant that we commonly refer to as a snowball bush is not a hydrangea, like our last, last caller. It's actually a viburnum. And it does bloom in late spring, early summer. Uh, and for winterizing, they're, they're native plants. they Actually, maybe not that one specifically. Some viburnum are, are native. But uh-huh. the snowball bush should get some nice uh, fall color, kind of burgundy leaves, which is great. They'll fall off. And then just leave it alone. You've obviously got it in the ground now. That's in the ground, yeah. And I hope you've given it lots of room because this plant does want to get, you know, six feet tall and six feet wide. Oh, is that right? Yeah.
2: Okay, it's it's going to have lots of room, yes. Okay,
3: perfect. You know what, the main thing with newly planted plants, and then particularly our evergreens, though in this case this is a deciduous plant, the most important thing we can do in the fall is make sure that the soil is nice and moist before freeze up. So, of course, we've had it rain for the last couple of days, no problems there, but no sort of freeze-up imminent on the horizon. So that's one thing is keep your hose out as long as you can. Uh-huh. If necessary, do whatever watering you need to do to make sure that all your evergreens and your newly planted plants are, you know, well, thoroughly saturated before winter. But right. otherwise, no protection required, nothing like that. Very good. Okay.
2: Thank you very much. You're very Thank welcome. Thank you, Jack. Have a great day in Welland. Thanks and uh, looking call. at the clock here, we're coming up at 9.20. <laughs> And just a quick reminder of our phone numbers, 416 360 in Toronto. And toll-free anywhere in the province, one 866 740 I forgot to uh, do a little mm. mantra. Yes, call early, call often. One question. Per call, but you, I see, have not forgotten to do your exercising.
3: Absolutely not, not after the kind of work I was doing last weekend. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you needed that That's Sierra so, right. huh? <laughs>
3: exactly. Frank is referring to Sierra so, which is a mineral supplement that both of us take just to keep those joints lubricated and working and as pain free as possible when you're hauling around uh, wheelbarrows of dirt and uh, you know doing the kind of moving of material I was doing last week. Yes, it was a, a godsend to have been taking. My Cell on a consistent basis daily uh, just to be as pain free as possible, particularly the next day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Keeps, keeps me active for sure. And like if you have any arthritis or sore joints, you, this may work for you. Uh, it doesn't work for everybody, but Sierra people claim that 14 days is enough to prove whether this can make you feel better, which is why for more information, you can call 1 877 Joint14.
1: You supply the what and where, and she'll come through with the how. You're listening to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin.
2: And I'm the sous chef of the Garden Show, Frank Proctor, and both Charlie and I appreciate you sharing part of your weekend with us. So thank you to, well, in this case, it would be Joan in Brentford. Hi, Joan.
4: Yes, uh, good morning, Charlie and uh, Frank. Morning. Um, I have a question regarding the indoor hibiscus. Mm-hmm. We have just brought it in, and uh, it doesn't have any more buds on it, and it has one bloom which looks like it's going to be falling off very shortly, mm-hmm. and I would like to know when is the best time to uh, trim it, and uh, how far back should it be trimmed?
3: Okay, good question. Um do you need to trim it? Is it really big and overgrown, or is it just not no, particularly it's not overgrown? Okay. Well, like you said, if the final flower is just finishing off and you see no evidence of buds, I would trim now. To, to bring it back to a, a controllable shape. Now, that's assuming you've got a good sunny spot that you can put this in for the rest of the winter. Uh, otherwise, if you do a lot of trimming and you put it into a fairly dark spot, you're going to find it's going to really kind of hunker down and become dormant. So, more where's your plan to place it for the winter?
4: Right now, it's uh, in our sunroom, and it does get... Uh Quite a bit of uh, sun.
3: Perfect. So that's good because that sun will keep the plant awake and growing. Now it's not going to, you know, grow like crazy because it's shorter days, but at the same time, trimming back always stimulates new growth. So that's why it makes sense to do the trimming back as long as you've got a sunny location. Both the trimming and the sunshine will. Cause it to grow and fill in and look better. Uh, it'll Take a few weeks, but uh, but you know, not a problem. It, often the when we bring in our hibiscus, s- expect a few leaves to turn yellow just because it was brighter outside than it is inside. So a few leaves will drop off, um, but watering as required, giving lots of sun, it'll it should look very good again within a few weeks. All right. Okay. Okay, fine then.
2: Hey, thanks, Joan.
3: Thanks for your call.
2: Happy thanks news for much, Joan then. there, and. Uh,
3: keeping that indoor hibiscus healthy? Yes, indeed. Well, I brought <clears throat> I did the exact same thing. Brought one yep. in, covered in buds though, unlike Jones. So, the last thing I want to do is any trimming, but I trim mine back really hard in the spring uh-huh. so that it's not a very pretty plant when it goes out. Is that out. a
2: common thing with with most people that they're afraid to cut back too much? I mean, are they, you know,
3: they'd... Yeah, I think for most people there's a fear of how much and when yeah. when it comes to pruning. And um the the thing with something like uh, a hibiscus is, well, in the fall, nothing. Most plants are wanting to just hunker down and kind of have a right. bit of a dormancy or a semi-dormant state. So we typically like to do our, our pruning in the spring if we can, mm-hmm. but sometimes we can't. You know, you bring a plant in in the fall that's covered in buds or flowers, but it's you know six feet across <laughs> and can't get through the door. You got to trim it then. Yeah. Right? So sometimes you got to tr- trim off flowers. There's okay. no way just around
2: it. Kind of use your noggin, Yes, yeah, suppose, yeah. suppose. Anne in Keswick on the line with us right now. Good morning, Anne.
6: Good hey, folks. Morning. It's been forever and ever for me to try to get on here to ask you a question.
3: Oh, I'm glad you got through.
6: Anyway, stupid me bought a couple of um, flowering almond bushes a couple years ago, and I planted them in the back corner, and then I went and put some strawberries in, and then the raspberry bushes decided to grow around one of them, (laughs) and the rabbit took care of one, and it's dead because it (laughs) ate the bark off. And I have one that's half remaining, and I'd like to know... Is it too late now for me to dig it up and maybe move it somewhere else to get it out of the raspberries?
2: <laughs> <laughs> wow, what an all-encompassing question. That's great. And you've got a dead rabbit, you say. Well,
6: <laughs> no, no, the rabbit ate the bark off them, and I guess I should have covered them in some burlap or yeah, something. They're
3: tasty. tasty and last bark. winter,
6: the rabbit, I guess, took care of one of them, so one of the bushes is totally dead, and I uh, cut it off. Yeah, and yeah. the other one, it ate half of it, so I pruned it off. And so I'm curious, can I prune it or can I move it now? I have the pl- the plastic collar on the bush, which I kept, mm-hmm. says it grows two meters high mm-hmm. and a meter and a half wide, and it blooms in May.
3: Right. But With being the, in the
6: raspberries, I don't think I ever got to see that. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Frank's, Frank's getting a good giggle out of this visual that you're giving oh, us. It's
2: just, it sounds like a jungle you got to go in
3: there. <laughs> All right, so... Yes, you can move the flowering almonds now, mm-hmm. though it's not optimal. The okay. most, the best time, or when we move things in the fall, because fall is a great time to plant and transplant. We like to do it with at least a six-week window between that planting or transplanting and hard frost.
6: Oh, we're going to get snow probably the first week of November yeah, up here. Yeah,
3: exactly. So I'd say you're only about two weeks away from so hard that frost. It leave it then. Better to leave it because what will happen is, it, I mean, if you really have have to do it it's worth a try but what will likely happen if you say moved it this weekend As the ground starts to freeze, the plant will not have been able to put out any roots. So, you know, whatever root ball you move will be put into the ground and in the new location. But as the ground starts to freeze, the plant gets heaved up out of the ground. Oh. Because the ground, of course, the water in the the soil all freezes and expands, and plants that are just loose in there tend to get pushed right up.
6: Okay. So... So, when this starts to, like, the leaves will fall off, obviously, mm -hmm. and when... It starts to bud up in the spring. Is that when I should move it before it ever gets to the flowering stage?
3: It flowers very early. Flowers even before the leaves. Oh, are they? So that's the sort of the drag of it. What would be best it to enjoy the flowers as much as you can.
6: If I can see them in the raspberries,
3: <laughs> maybe you should cut down the raspberries. <laughs> I know. And the problem, of course, too, is raspberries are so prickly. To start climbing that's in there right. to move something is is no fun at all either. Mm-hmm. I mean, you. So there's the option. I mean, you could move it if you could get. Out there, sort of today, yeah. and move it. Just remember that keep an eye on it right through the winter. In Keswick, you get a very consistent snow layer typically, so that helps a lot to insulate, mm-hmm. keeps the plants able to withstand the craziness of winter. But if for some reason all the snow were to melt, Go and take a look. Make sure that root ball has not been heaved up so out of the ground. And it, if it has, oh, okay. step on it. <laughs> Get it back down just into the ground. Be
6: patient, then yeah. and move it yeah. in the spring. I guess, and that way I'd have a better
3: uh, success rate. Probably, yeah. Um, but try and move it after it flowers just so you can enjoy the flowers after if the you flowers. can see okay. them.
6: <laughs> and I will t- uh, rub it with, or wrap it with burlap this time because otherwise the rabbit will take That's care of the rest of what's yeah. left of it. <laughs>
3: That's right, exactly. Protect that poor thing. <laughs> yeah.
6: Okay, thank okay. you so much. Thank Thanks, Ann. Have a terrific
3: weekend, fellas. Thank you. Too. Too.
2: Bye <laughs> bye. That's a fun call from Ann and Keswick. <laughs> we like happy people here. We the...
3: do. But <laughs> like, radio is always so funny when it comes to gardening. You know, sometimes you really do need those visual. Yeah, <laughs> Descriptions that that was just
2: <laughs> blew my mind. What was going on you could there? You can see
3: that all happening.
2: <laughs> Coming around to 9:32, so let's push along and catch uh, what we have. Uh, question wise, from Barbara in St. Catharines. Hey, good morning, Barbara.
4: Good morning, Frank, and good morning, Charlie. Good morning. My rose bushes are very overgrown.
3: Mm-hmm. Can you
4: guide me as to when they should be trimmed right back?
3: What kind of roses are there? Are they shrub roses or you know hybrid tea roses?
4: They're hybrid. Okay. And one or two have grown into shrubs.
3: Oh, my. (laughs) Okay.
4: I do have uh, some garden help, Mm -hmm. and they seem to not uh, attend to it the way we used to when we were attending to them.
3: Yes. Not everybody knows how to prune roses, so there's sometimes a fear of doing the wrong thing.
4: And having said that, there have been many, many blooms. No good. Good. So, um the color has been quite spectacular, yeah. I' have been grateful for that
3: all the nice well, we had a nice summer when it came to roses. Mm-hmm. ultimately, it started so cold and wet and yet it got so nice and hot and dry yes. the roses yes. loved it. What I would do, and what, what I do with my roses in the fall is I trim them the minimal amount. I see the amount that I trim them is so that I have no interference with walkways because I do have roses right along my garage and right at my front door. Mm-hmm. So I trim to make sure that I'm not snagging the kids with their Halloween costumes or, or you know, any you know I can still shovel snow, etc. Right. Um, the f- I don't the the lowest that I ever trim my roses down. and I'm talking about tea hybrid teas and grandifloras, uh, is The rule of thumb is trim to your knees in the fall, ankles in the spring. I'm
7: wearing the spring.
3: Ankles. I see. So we do a, a a trimming that as necessary in the fall to eliminate damage happening either to people or to the rose getting whipped around in the winter wind?
6: We do cover them in burlap.
3: You do, okay. Mm-hmm. So you'll just find that if you trim them down, I mean obviously a climbing rose or big shrub roses, we wouldn't go as far as the knees. No. But trim just to to try and ensure that the plant is not damaging itself. Very good. Being whipped around in the wind. Yes. Now come spring, Ankle. and I'm talking early spring, when the buds are just starting to swell and you can see very clearly live canes and dead canes and, of course, old, heavy-duty, you know, gray and brown, right. the big old stuff, that all comes out. I see. And that comes out right at ground level. Okay. Um, now, with the tea roses, I literally go right down to the ankles. I bring my roses right down to being about four inches tall. Really? Uh, and I take out every cane except for maximum five Mm -hmm. Canes and the idea, of course, is that when you look down at the rose after it's been trimmed in the spring, Mm -hmm. it looks like an open hand. Right. So I choose pencil-sized canes that are growing away from the center, so that we've got a the plant is going to grow in an open uh, way, so that sun and air can penetrate the center, and it just keeps them healthier through the growing season. Great. Okay I'll certainly uh, pass that on to them. That's right. You stand over top of them and you tell <laughs> yeah. them what to do because I it, will. trimming roses it, it, the confidence comes with doing it, and sometimes right. that's what they need is somebody to stand over and say, yes, take that one, yes, take it further further and then you'll further learn from there, from there. Then yeah. on yeah exactly like and then you see well. how they grow and then you're much more you know brave in the future. Thank you so much. Okay. (laughs)
2: Thanks for
7: joining the show, Barbara. Barbara. Right you are. Bye-bye.
2: Okay, 935 AM 740, Zoomer Radio, and it's the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin with roses once again coming Mm. up here. And these are climbing for gosh sakes. Pat in Grafton calling in. Good morning, Pat.
4: Yes, good morning. How are you? Great. Hey, Pat. Um, I have two beautiful climbing roses. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, where they're placed, they get the direct north wind all winter long.
7: Mm.
4: Now, last year, we... I know I have to take care of of covering the the bottom, mulch it around, you know, Mm -hmm. that part. Last year, we put burlap around them Mm -hmm. and um, some straw in the burlap to help insulate them. Mm -hmm. And we nearly killed them. Mm-hmm. I thought I had lost them, and so this year I'm I don't quite know what to what I want to do with them. Uh, they're only about oh, I would say four feet tall because so much died off and we cut it back.
3: Right. What and, color are they when they bloom?
4: Well, one is what they call the Joseph's coat. It's uh-huh. all different colors. There's pinks and oranges and mm-hmm. yellows on the same bush. And the other one is a beautiful pink one. I have I've had it so long and I moved it from where we lived before to here five years six years ago. And it just it just wants to live. It just comes hmm. and it blooms and it blooms and it's a nice deep pink.
3: Lovely. And right. I
4: would really hate to lose that one, especially. The Joseph's coat I bought after I moved here, it doesn't mm-hmm. have any sentimental value to it yet.
3: All right. So the northern exposure or the northwest exposure, that's that winter wind whistling through. Yes. Okay.
4: My S- house sits east-west, mm-hmm. and my deck is out.
3: The side. Uh,
4: so it's northeast.
3: All right. Oh, okay. Um, so that's not that bad, because it's actually northwest is our prevailing
4: yeah. Okay. Well, where I sit, it seems to howl from. The, you
3: know. <laughs> that happens. And, and
4: there's yeah. nothing to protect them because they're they're around the deck. Yeah. And.
3: Uh, right. So what? When they back, they're not against the house. Then what are they against? They're against just a, a trellis that's up along the side of the deck. Yes. Right, so they really are exposed. They
4: really are exposed. Okay. I suppose I should move them, but I don't know where to move them.
3: Well, you know, I wonder if, like you said, that you worry that what you did last year, the burlap and the straw, actually did more damage than good. Yeah, so and I'm- that can happen if we wrap plants tight with burlap, you know, make a real tight little, little gnome out there. What can happen is we can trap cold air inside the plant. So at night, the temperature drops, you know, 10, 20 below, that cold air penetrates into the center of our wrapped plants. Then the sun comes up. But if it's a still day, that cold air can just sit there all day and never actually sort of permeate out and warm up to the outdoor temperatures, which is why wrapping can sometimes be a problem.
4: Okay.
3: I would, my impulse, if it's that windy, Two things. One is I would trim as necessary this fall to eliminate that, all that movement that happens where, and we start getting all that sort of scraping and, and banging and crashing around. Okay. Or tie things, tie the canes so that they aren't whipping all over the place in the wind. I wouldn't hesitate to do a very loose uh, outer burlap sort of shelter. Now, depending on how you can access, you may have to actually just wrap the burlap right onto the canes. The other thing would be to drive some stakes into the ground and wrap the burlap on the outside of the stakes so that you're making like a little hut almost, if you will, around the roses that's not actually touching the roses. It's just doing a bit of a windbreak. Don't be throwing any straw or anything in there though. Allow the snow to fall in, allow leaves. I mean, you'll mound as you will as normal. You know, that that um, hilling of at the base, right. but just allow snow to fall in. If some leaves fall in, that's fine. But I wouldn't like st- you know, fill the whole thing up with anything, and that will allow better air circulation through the winter.
4: So it does. It needs air, but not wind.
3: <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Okay. The extreme wind is what can really hurt, uh, and because of desiccation, really, it just dries dehydrates the plant, and and it ends up dying.
4: Yeah, and because, or canes die. Yeah, because of my location, especially near the lake, we mm. do get that's
3: right for sure yeah Yeah, so that it is a fine line when it comes to wrapping loose wrap is important or at least a windbreak is important in your case by the sounds of it Okay. okay okay Yes, Good thank luck. You so much. Let us know how that works out. I will. Okay. Thanks, Pat. Pat. Thank
2: you very much. That's an interesting solution to the problem. The stakes, the four stakes, and then wrap that mm-hmm. uh, with burlap and staple there. I guess. And, well, that's yeah. right.
3: And so you've got like a little mm-hmm. enclosure, mm-hmm. but it's open at the top. Right. That's a very important part of all this. The open at the top allows snow to fall in and allows that air to, you know, warm air, right. cool air, everything to kind of move through.
2: Okay. The Charlie Dobbin Garden Show on the air. And just before we take a little break here, get back to other questions. Charlie, you had an email that you wanted to get to.
3: Oh, I did. Thank you very much. Um,
2: (laughs) Oh, you can't find it Box Elder Ah. Ah. Bugs.
3: Anybody out there have any issues with Box Elder Bugs? They've been really they big deal this year, uh, particularly in the St. Catharines area. Oh, really? Yeah, you're getting all shivery when I say the word box elder bug. <laughs> okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Tell me you're going to slaughter them in, in a, no, what fashion? No,
3: What it oh. is is in the fall, box elder bugs, which are often found in box elders, uh are looking for a winterizing, a place to spend the winter. They are um, looking for a frost-free location. They congregate on the warm south side of many of our buildings uh, in the fall. Uh And, of course, I did get an email, in this case, from both Dan and Marilyn in St. Catharines, who said uh, they've had a problem the last few years, but this year has been particularly bad or grim, as as they said, uh, what do we do? She said, we have lots of established maple trees, but no box elder trees that she's aware of. So bottom line is, yes, you avoid box elders. That will help you avoid the box elder bug. Nevertheless, they can travel and they will, sometimes a kilometer or more, looking for a winterizing location. Don't worry about them on the outside of your buildings, but realize that they are looking for uh, an opportunity to come in for a warm spot. They're going to, you know, hang out and drink hot chocolate and watch TV with you all winter. (laughs) So they will not hurt you. They don't eat you or your pets. They don't eat your furniture or your food. They just want to hunker down and watch TV, really. Right. So there's no, no, they don't do any harm to anything, but they want to come in. So you've got to be out there with your little cocking gun. Make sure you've got every crack and cranny sealed. That's your main thing. That's your main way to avoid them entering your home. Uh, seal every. every what size are these little devils? You, you know, half an inch. They're oh, kind of really, pretty. Huh? They're black. They've got a red, some red marking on them. Little, oh, okay. you know. Kind of neat looking, yeah. They're red and black. Not a bad looking bug, and as I said, do no damage to right. houseplants or pets or people or you know structures of homes. The one thing they do have, though, if you try and squish them, <laughs> oh here, here we go. <laughs> they do have <laughs> this little uh, staining thing that they uh, so let go on uh, their legs let out some kind of a stain. So if you squish them, you can end up doing some damage to your furniture and walls. So what? I you, knew
2: we'd get to the squishing. I
3: knew it. <laughs> don't squish them. <laughs> in this good. case, okay. use your vacuum. <laughs> vacuum them up and take the vacuum outside and let them go. But make sure you've sealed up all your cracks and crannies. Just to, uh, Don't let them in. Caulking windows and doors. Repairing windows, door screens. And keep them out of the house. That's the mean thing to do. Um, yeah, vacuum long hose attachment and vacuum and don't squash
2: (laughs) okay and charlie dobbin's email address here is c as in charlie dobbin d-o-b-b-i-n at am740.ca and with that uh, we have to go to a little commercial break here and uh, come back and have a word with anna from vineland
1: there are hundreds of sources for tips on gardening but you need only one the am740 garden show with charlie dobbin continues
2: And Frank Proctor here back along for the ride. And uh, I see Charlie doing some more brief research. Hmm.
3: Uh, well, I just thought I should mention, talking about box elder Yeah, I, I asked Charlie, what, what does a box elder tree look like? Yeah, okay, so that, just to be clear, a box, what's commonly referred to as a box elder is Acer Nagundo, which is a maple, and Acer Nagundo I refer to as Manitoba maple. Right. It's a native tree, so we love our native trees, but it's a serious weed tree, something you do want to eliminate, if at all possible, because it will just really... Um, take over your yard. Well, thank you. They I grow appreciate grow that very agenda. quickly. <laughs> thank you for the clarification. <laughs> well,
2: my pleasure. Anna in <laughs> Vineland. Good morning.
7: Good morning. I'm so happy that you are on the air, so we can uh, you can help us with the gardens. Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, what I have is uh, I have a beautiful uh, Christmas cactus, mm-hmm. and it's so big now i've had it for 10 years and i always take the clippings when it gets big good um the thing is i started it's rooted the uh, mm. things but i've got something accumulating on the soil um it's almost like somebody put salt on it mm-hmm. and i could clean it off around it and it would disappear and then it comes back mm-hmm. now what am i doing i even used um dish soap with water diluted i thought maybe that was but that doesn't help it either
3: no actually what your first impulse is the correct one that white powder or white stuff on the surface of the soil is salt uh-huh it is from the fertilizer or it's from the your water uh-huh. are you on um treated water or well water where does your water come from
7: no uh we have it from uh, the city yeah, uh, i so guess it's it. St.
3: Catharines it comes through yeah okay so all the water, particularly when it's city water, has been treated. So they've added things to it, like chlorine and bromine uh-huh. and fluoride and all these things. And, and also fertilizer is made up of nitrogen and magnesium and all these various isotopes that come together to make salts. So when we water our plants, the, some of these salts start to build up and come out of solution. And we start seeing that white precipitate right on the surface of the soil. Uh-huh. Two things you can do, and this it 's hard to do with a Christmas cactus because these are when they get big they 're hard to you know handle so the easy thing for you is you get out a spoon, you scrape off the surface of the soil where the, all that sort of white chunky yeah. powdery stuff is, throw that out into the composter or into the garbage. Add some fresh potting soil just to bring the level back to where it was, you know, half uh-huh. inch or whatever uh-huh. of fresh soil, and leave it alone. The other, th- and, and you can just do that as necessary, you know, every six months, every year, just to, to keep that soil freshening it up. Okay. The salt will always be on the surface like that. The other thing you can do, and it's a little tricky with Christmas cactus because you don't want to overwater them. They will rot if they get soggy and stay soggy, but one way that we can help get that salt out of the soil is you can immerse the entire plant, pot and all, under water in say the bathtub. And, and just putting it into a large quantity of water like that, the, the salt will go back into solution, right? It'll, it'll disappear, yes. and it will um, dissipate out into the bathtub. And then, of course, you'll drain the bathtub and let the plant sit and drain for a couple hours and then get it back out into a, your sunny windowsill mm-hmm. and don't water it for a couple of weeks until it dries right out again. So you just got to be careful with something like that because it would be easy to rot a Christmas cactus if it stayed wet for too long. But right. it is a good way to get that salt precipitated out of the soil.
7: Wonderful. Okay. Okay. Oh, I wonderful. just wanted to say to Frank, we spoke on your uh, dedications uh, program about two and a half years ago when I asked for um, for our wedding anniversary. Oh, yes. Yes. And the Prime Minister came <laughs> to Vineland, so I said it was special. You did such a wonderful job. I keep listening to you every time I hear your voice. Ah, that's my man. Aww, <laughs> Thank you sweet. very much. Thank you very much for your help. Okay, Thanks, you're bye Thank you.
2: Thank you for those kind words. Frank appreciate that.
3: Frank does have a lot of fans. Well, you know, you become,
2: I, I think, you become part of a
3: family. You yes. You really do. Yes. And
2: uh, I consider uh, our listeners here at the station friends. Family, you know? yeah, exactly. Yeah, really. And yes. it, it's welcome, amazing. Welcome, Exactly. Yeah. Uh, it's it's funny how it works in radio, but uh, that's what, you you do become part of people's lives and they part of yours.
3: Yeah, right? and so you know they're at home like yelling at the radio if they don't <laughs> yeah. like what we're saying. Well,
2: or like right about now I hear someone saying, look, shut up! I've got a question, <laughs> uh, and, and that might be coming from Joanne in Fenton Falls. But first we have to do a little uh, exercise here. Yes, uh, let me do some push-ups.
3: <laughs> okay, Wait a minute. well you no st-
2: speedo this morning <laughs> though.
3: <laughs> well, you start working away on your push-ups <laughs> and chin-ups. Here he goes, oh my goodness! I got to cover my eyes sierra sil is uh, is a mineral supplement that both Frank and I take oh. to keep ourselves limber and not whining uh, you, know, so you can get Sierra Sil through uh, by giving them a phone call or ordering it over the web, but Many of the natural food stores also carry Sierra Sill now. Uh, Here in Toronto, the Big Carrot on the Danforth carries Sierra Sill. You can buy it on the shelf. Um, All the Whole Foods, different stores uh, carry it. um, Right there in St. Catharines, the peanut mill, carries Sierra Sill. So if you have questions, the staff in the store can answer, or you can give the Sierra Sill people a call in Vancouver at 1-877-JOINT-14.
1: Say she's down to earth, and that's usually where you'll find her. Welcome back to the AM 740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin
2: and Frank Proctor, the sous chef, as we zip along to cottage country up there to Fenland Falls to say hi to Joanne. Good morning, welcome to the show, Joanne.
1: Morning, good morning, Charlie.
5: Uh, Charlie, it's about an apple tree. Mm -hmm. Uh, When's the best time to uh, prune them?
3: Best time to prune any of your fruit trees is in late winter, early spring.
5: Late winter.
3: Okay, so that's uh before any leaves have or flowers or anything has emerged, uh-huh. preferably in your area, it might be l- mid to late March, okay you know you go out on a dry sunny day mm-hmm. and you have all your sharp tools in hand and your ladder as necessary though if it's is it a big tree or or a young tree
5: uh no it's a it's probably about thirty years old, oh so it's a fairly old tree like it's an old tree when we moved in here and mm-hmm. Um, When the apples come out, half of them fall off when Mm. they're just tiny. Mm
3: -hmm.
5: And then when they grow, they get all black spots all over them. Mm -hmm. We got good apples one year. That was it, about three years ago. Okay, and so now, like I say, they get all these black spots on them, and
3: well, two things are probably happening. One, the dropping of the apples. The, uh, plants are sometimes quite smart, and they recognize that they can't actually uh, mature so all, all that, that fruit. Yeah. Exactly, the, it's, and and if it di- if all that fruit stayed on, the apples would be tiny. Right. So right. it does a drop; it self prunes, if you will, uh, so that there'll be less fruit but bigger, healthier potentially in, in for the purposes of eating sweeter fruit. Mm-hmm. Now, to avoid the spots and the various insects that love fruit trees, but apples particularly, uh, dormant spray. So that's mm-hmm. lime, sulfur, and dormant oil. Mm-hmm. comes together in a little kit, and it'll be called dormant spray kit. Uh-huh. You can spray that in the, in the fall, though it's perhaps a little bit late now to consider spraying, but you definitely want to spray that in the spring oh, okay. after you've done your pruning. Okay, and okay. it's temperature dependent, so you'll you know watch the temperatures, etc., for when to spray. But the that is the most important spray of the year, the dormant spray that will kill overwintering insects and overwintering fungal spores.
5: Okay.
3: That are on the surface.
5: Great. Okay,
2: now, Joanne, with those apples, do you do you uh, uh, make apple pies? I
5: can't. You... They're never good enough. <laughs> yeah. The <laughs> so one year, oh, yes, again. I did. I made pies and applesauce, sauce and, and cider, but. In uh, any other year, no, they just get these black
3: yeah. uh,
5: hot hmm. spots all over right. them, and you sort of have to eat around them. <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, that's it. So, the dormant spray will help you avoid that problem.
5: Okay, great. Okay. Thanks, Joanne. Thanks, Thanks Joanne. Have a good day.
3: Thank and you enjoy. very much. I like the way you're digging for information. Well, on I'm, food. I'm digging
2: for a free pie, is what <laughs> I, I was know, digging for. You're
3: always <laughs> digging for free <laughs> <I know>. dessert.
2: <laughs> Valerie in <and> Scarborough, <laughs> I think, will be our last caller today. Hello, I uh, think Valerie. So.
3: Oh, Hi,
6: Charlie. Good morning. is Frank. I have a problem with squirrels. Mm-hmm. I want to know if you know how to keep uh, keep them away. <laughs> they keep digging up my garden.
3: Oh, and this is the time of year when they're really digging up your garden. They're, yeah. they're like picking up things and moving them and putting them, you know, digging right. and I redesigning. I tried
6: everything. I tried black pepper and that, different things I buy at the garden center, but they don't seem to work.
3: Squirrels are a tough one. there's no easy one sort of solution works every time. Uh, Sometimes people have good success by putting out uh, actual squirrel, like food for the squirrels, you know, cracked corn, that sort of thing. Uh Give them a little place in the garden that's theirs. Let them come there, eat that food, move on, move out, and then they'll leave the rest of your garden alone, potentially. I know they do that at the White House. That's one of the ways they protect all their bulbs. Uh They plant tens of thousands of bulbs every fall, but they have complete... uh, area just for the squ- for feeding the squirrels so that they don't dig up all the bulbs. Mm. Um, otherwise, we get into mechanical protection, you know, uh, chicken wire, uh, some of the, the things you've been trying. Blood meal can work for a little while because they don't like the smell of the blood meal sprinkled around in areas where they've been digging. They, they smell. They know there's a big animal out there. They've never seen a cow, but yeah. they know that's a big animal. So that works for a while. Mm-hmm. Sometimes human hair can work. Um, there's a um motion detector sprinklers can sometimes work for a while a dog can sometimes work just keep the squirrels moving off the property um, I'm a big fan of a shotgun if you can get away with it <laughs> <laughs> you know there's uh, there's just sort of 101 different things no one thing works forever all the time it's yeah. a it's an ongoing battle with the squirrels you suggested
2: I think the feeding you know feeding spots uh, uh, with food design that uh, squirrels will love sounds like yeah. Like a good one to me. Yeah,
3: yeah, it can be because it just it keeps them busy with that. Then they leave your garden alone. And if they're digging up areas where you've been digging, remember they're very curious animals. They see freshly turned soil. They got to see what's underneath it. Okay. So whenever you've just planted some bulbs or rearranged, you know, cleaned up something in the garden, yeah. grab a handful of leaves, throw that on top of where you've just done, you know, your work. They're right
2: there with the binoculars watching. You, absolutely,
3: aren't they, yeah? they have spies everywhere, <laughs> and they have an incredible ability to communicate the information. So. Yeah, at, whenever you've just done a nice new planting job, make sure you don't make it look like it's just been planted. Mess it up afterwards, and they won't suspect a thing. Oh dear. <laughs>
2: okay. <laughs> thank you, Valerie, very much for calling in. Thank,
3: thank you. Good okay. luck with that. Okay.
2: Sure. And uh, bye to bye. all our to all our listeners, we going to have a wonderful weekend.
3: Yes, indeed. Enjoy the rest of this weekend. It's not going to rain tomorrow. I think we'll be able to get some work done and be lots of leaves to uh, rake up.
2: Absolutely.
3: And um, incorporate into
2: the garden. Yeah. And I invite the folks to. Uh, Keep tuned. Dave's uh, Corner Garage on the air, of course, coming up. And then I'll be back at 11 o'clock live in the city.
3: There you go. And lots going on in the city today. There (laughs) certainly is, Ollie. (laughs) See you next week. Thanks, everybody, for great calls. Thanks, Dave and Frank. You're the best.
0: See you next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM 740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin.